You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Howitt's interview with the composer for First Man, Justin Hurwitz. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Next Best Picture Podcast. This is Daniel Howitt and I'm joined today by Justin Hurwitz, Oscar winning composer of La La Land, Whiplash, and this year's Neil Armstrong biopic, First Man. Justin, thanks for talking with us today. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, first of all, congratulations uh, on making the, the short list for the Academy Award for Original Score yesterday. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. So obviously we're right in the heart of Oscar season. What's it like being kind of caught up in, in this in awards season, awards run? Is it weird? Is it fun or exciting, draining? Um, it's kind of all of those. <laughs> right. um, it's definitely, it's definitely fun. Um, it's, uh, yeah, there's just, it's, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of um, opportunities to show the movie and to talk with people about it. Um, we did it uh, a couple years ago. It was the same, same kind of, schedule for me with you know some screenings every week and um it's uh yeah it's, it's exciting you work you work so long on the on the movie and you're just kind of in a in a cave doing it and and then to finally uh put it out there and um it kind of it's kind of the opposite of what what we're what we are naturally what we naturally do and are probably inclined to do at least speaking as a composer sure. or or speaking for myself which is to <laughs> privately make music and now it and now it's a lot of um talking to people and um you know out at events with people which is not normally what I do on a sure. daily basis when I'm actually working it's the, it's very much the opposite but um it's it's fun um to to sort of uh be be back in the the world of you know of celebrating promoting showing the movie yeah well, that's awesome. Well, well, let's let's do more of that. So obviously, we're here because of your phenomenal work in First Man. So tell me about, uh, you know, of course, you have a long relationship with uh, director Damien Chazelle. So kind of tell me about when when you both started talking about the project, when you were brought on board, and how you both started getting a vision for the film. Um, I all I mean, it really started for me when I when I read the script. Uh, I read a couple couple drafts of the script um one of them was was really early um in fact it was it was while we were still editing while and um damien had been working with josh singer the screenwriter uh for a while in the script so um during over the holidays of that year of editing la land damien gave me an early draft of the script to read so i read that and that was at first kind of started thinking in, but I didn't really think too much about it. Definitely didn't start working on it yet because we were still finishing that other movie. And then um, it it really started in earnest um, the following, well, I guess it was the, the uh, two springs later, it was spring of 2017 um, where, you know, La La Land was over. We were done promoting it, doing that old stuff, you know, as, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we both just changed gears into first man. So, um, that spring, um, Damien started his, his real prep pre-production on it, working with, uh, the 
you know, locations, costumes, production design, cinematography, all that. And that's when I got started um, for real on it. So I read another draft of the script, which, you know, had evolved quite a bit. And it was it was their like real pre-production draft. And um, and uh, yeah, read it, uh, started really thinking about it and, and then really talking to Damien. And it's not until we start talking when I really have a sense of, where there's going to be music, what, what the music needs to be. And, um, and he just, he kind of the first conversations are, um, he throws some words at me to try to get at what the music needs to feel like, mm. um, kind of the, the emotional world of the music. So, uh, on this one, he wrote off the bat. He, 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 he said, um, he was looking for loss and pain and grief and loneliness. Those were the main things he was looking for in the main theme. Um, we always start with themes. He always wants to know very first thing is what the main theme is going to be. So that, that's what he was looking for in that theme. And, um, and then it just started with me at the piano searching for it. And um, that's always where it starts. There are, you know, a lot of different phases that follow, but that's where it starts. Well, so like you said, you know, loss, grief, loneliness, those aren't words you typically use with this sort of story, right? The American Space Mission film. And so the film does an amazing job of subverting those expectations. How did how did you approach sub subverting those expectations from a musical perspective? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, 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 I wasn't expecting that the score, that that's what he would be looking for in the score. I mean, I, I got that once I read the script and I understood, sure. I stood because I, I didn't know anything about, I really didn't know anything about Neil Armstrong or the Armstrongs. Um, I, all I knew was the basic stuff that everybody knows, which right. is the first person to step on the moon. And I, it just seemed like a, a success story to me. And um, I didn't know about the losses that they faced as a family, um, the losses Neil faced personally. Um, and how how um, sort of stressed the whole family was, how stressed the marriage was um, throughout these years, um, and how much how much they were, and especially Neil was taking the grief of primarily losing their daughter and and using that to kind of just throw himself into his work, using his work as a way to to not just you know, find a purpose and motivation, but also to kind of search for answers and to um, try to find, you know, an understanding of the, almost the universe in some ways. Um, and uh, so uh, that was all, that was all new information to me. And that, and that was a, a, a really exciting challenge. Um, how do you get at that really, that really deep pain? Um, and, it, it's just like fine, fine. When I sit down at the piano and I and I start, um, you know, um, playing, I, I'm just like listening and and trying to find. It's just it's just feeling my way around the piano and trying to find what sounds like that kind of pain um, to me, and and then sending ideas to Damien and getting his his feedback and and having him steer me. Um, that's always a part of it. And then I would say one of the, um, you know, the, 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 the bigger challenges was figuring out how to, we wanted to find that melody and have the melody 
feel like all of those things, but we knew that the movie would have quite a bit of range to Mm -hmm. it because there would be action sequences and then there would be very quiet, intimate moments and there would be space sequences um, where, you know, we were, it was almost more about the beauty of of space and the, the peace serenity of space. Um, So the music would have to do all of those things. And so we, one of the challenges was once we found our material, it was basically a main theme and then a secondary theme. Um, and, and later on, once we got picture and search for the picture, we, we found we needed a little more material than that. But, um, at least with those two main themes, like how can you manipulate them to, um, to, to, to work for all those moments and some of the, 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 the more exciting, uh, cues for me were particularly like the big action, the big, like mm-hmm. the landing cue or the launch, the launch cue or, um, is to take our material, which is so, has so much inherent, it has so much pain in it. Um, but figure out how to make it exciting and bombastic and triumphant and how to sort of toe that line between the, the triumph on, on screen and in the story and like the fact that this is it, this is Apollo 11. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what Neil and the family have been living for and working for, for almost a decade. And it's, it's exciting and triumphant and it's all working. It's all going according to plan, but there's still so much, um, it's, there's still a broken heart there. Um, and, um, how can you put those, those ideas together. And that was, that was part of Damien, Damien's incredible vision for this is, is how do you tell the, the even the success parts of it with that, uh, with that, um, you know, broken heart in mind. Um, and like just a huge, that, that, that broken heart, like under kind of underpinning all of it. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the landing is, is one of my favorite tracks on the, on the score. And I love the way that it calls back to the Armstrongs. Was that sort of one of the first mm-hmm. melodies that you came up with or, or were there other ones that you started with? Uh, well, the first, yeah, it was essentially the second theme I came up with. Um, Damien, the first thing he wanted was the main theme, the, the theme melody, which is kind of the, the theme of, of loss and grief and the grief over Karen. Right. Um, and so he wanted that first. And then as soon as it took a, a while at the piano, and then as soon as I found that he wanted, um, the thing that we call the riff or the family theme, it's that triplet And, um, he, so he wanted to, he wanted that next, but he already, he, he knew kind of how it would, how it would operate in the movie. So he, we talked about what it needed to feel like and how it needed to be more bittersweet. How it needed to have some real sweet notes to it that the other melody wouldn't have quite as much of, but he knew he, we talked about from the very beginning, how they would operate separately, but they would come together in the landing queue. So they had to be able to work. They had to have the same chord changes so that they could work um, together. Um, at least, if, you know, they could overlap for one section of it. And um, so, uh, yeah, that was the next piece of material I found. And, and then we got into a whole phase of like, you know, instrumentation. What are the instruments going to be? What are the sounds going to be? You know, how do we find electronic sounds? How yeah. do we find some different sounds? Um, so we got into a whole phase of that and that took a little bit, but, but 
the first piece of music after we figured some of those um, things out, the first piece of music that Damien wanted mocked up that he wanted actual, actually a demo created during prep was the landing because it was such a, he knew it was going to be an important cue for the movie. You know, it was yeah. it's a, a kind of a climax of the movie, but it was also the first time, like I said, that those two pieces of material that the, the grief theme, the Karen theme and the family theme merged. And, and we figured, well, let's, let's start there and almost work backwards. And then for the rest of the movie, you know, there were everything before that they're kind of, you know, operating in different ways. And, and that took uh, earlier in the movie, a lot of those cues really required being able to watch the scenes and being able to, um, to get a sense is a lot of experimentation for, especially those intimate cues, a lot of those domestic cues earlier, like how um, they can, like exactly how we can have music, but have it sit in the right way with mm. this sort of documentary style filmmaking. And like the harp was a later idea. We didn't, we didn't have the harp until we actually saw the picture and, and saw what, what felt right with it. But, but, but the landing like that was something he, he knew exactly what he wanted. And he, during prep, you know, before he shot the movie, he was giving me timings. Like he sees the movie in his head. So he knows what the timings are. He's, he's like, I need this part to grow for 40 seconds. And I want the strings to come in. I want that to hmm. grow for like, you know, 15 seconds. And I want, then I want the, the drums to, you know, get louder. He knows exactly what he wants. He and, has it that specific down to the, the kind of seconds before even filming. Yeah. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it changes, it changes later when I see the picture and he and uh, Tom Cross have to, you know, make music edits. They have to extend some things and cut some things down as they as they actually cut it to picture. But he gets very, very close early, wow. and then so I cre- I create for for uh, we did this for La La Land um, for a lot of the sequences, and then we we did this for this movie, which is he 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 tries to create a structure for some of these bigger cues. He gets as close as he can. He and he and then he. I, I created I created a mock-up and then he uses the mock-up to storyboard too. So he um, creates all the storyboards and then he cuts an animatic to the demos. Mm. Um, so that's like part of his pre-vis process with Linus, the cinematographer, and all of his people is, um, you know, they they cut they cut animatics around music and then and then Damien likes to have the music on set and and then he uses it in the editing room. Um, for something like the landing where we do have like a really like reasonably polished mock-up that they just slot it right into the mm-hmm. movie and start cutting to it. Um, and then later on, I, I have to reconfigure some things, but, and then for other, other sequences, the way he likes to do it um, is um, if you, if we don't have like a piece of music that was actually designed for the sequence, he, we, we create like a folder. We have a, a folder of wild music because, Overall, you know, overall the the time of experimenting with different instruments and sounds and and um, we end up just having a lot of different mockups mm-hmm. and demos that are not meant for any given place. It's just like our main themes in different keys on different instruments in different at different tempos, different moods, and so we just have like a a kind of a library of that of, of music that wow. is it's it's temp but it's ours, so it, it has our flavor and 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 that. And they just like to sort of play around with that and drop that into different scenes and experiment. So sometimes, yeah, so sometimes it's like we have a cue that's designed for the scene before they get to the editing room. And sometimes they just have to sort of fly some stuff in and play around. 
Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, so so you, you talked about discovering the different sounds and the different instruments, um, because you, you really do here have a lot of unique sounds to this score. So how did you kind of d- d- discover those sounds and figure out where you wanted to go in making it sound so unique? Well, there it, there were a few months um, of just playing around, and, and that's another reason we started as early as we did, because... Um, as, well, the very first thing, like I said, Damien wants to know the melodies, and that's just melody on piano. He just wants it as simple as possible. But as soon as we found that, then the conversation turned to what are the sounds of the score, and 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 we needed time to figure that out because I I had never done anything other than orchestra or big band, yeah. and Damien knew this needed to have a certain amount of electronics in it. I had never done anything with electronics. It also needed to just have some some flavors and, and, and things that uh, we either hadn't heard or hadn't imagined yet. So um, it just took the time of playing around. So Damien mentioned a theremin um, uh, pretty early on. So I got one of those and started messing around with that. And we really loved how our, how that sort of fit in with an orchestra and how our main melody sounded on, on the theremin. That was like, it just worked so so emotional on the theremin and we love that. Um, I, I started learning a little bit about modular synths. Um, so we wanted to use some synths, but kind of our role was, it had to be 1969 or earlier. Hmm. Um, and we wanted that, that kind of, um, gritty, uh, handmade quality of, of the, of the vintage analog synths. Um, so that uh, I just watched some YouTube tutorials on how those worked, hmm. and and then got my hands on one of them. And it's you know it's a style of synth where you patch things, you're kind of yeah. patching it all together with cables. So it was it was just doing that. And like the, the cool thing about those is you basically can't break them. You can plug anything into anything else, and the worst that can happen is it won't make a sound, <laughs> or it'll make a, a a sound you don't want. So you just kind of like patch stuff together until you until it starts working until and, and like i said because i watched some youtube stuff i sort of knew the basic principles of well this is what an oscillator does and then you want to patch it into this module which does that so i, I had a little bit of a sense of it so that was fun and then um and then there was um some production some experimentations with production like what are the ways we can manipulate an orchestra what are the ways we can like um process uh instruments to make them sound a little different so that's where the idea of processing all of the strings through a leslie rotor cabinet came from um it's this like speaker cabinet where the speaker spins around Hmm. inside and gives um gives gives like this whirling swirling quality so all the strings in the movie um except for a couple instances all the strings went through that so like we recorded all the strings separately violins and first violin second violins violas cellos basses and then put them one at a time through this rotor cabinet. And then after that, put them one at a time through tremolo. So basically they had, each string had um, multiple rates of flutter and swirl. And all, all those all those rates were kind of in conflict with each other. So it would create these weird, these weird kind of like waves and conflicts of, as, of these tremolo rates where they would kind of like um, stack up in weird ways. And, and it, and it added a certain, it added a certain like shake and flutter to the strings that, that, um, reminded us of sort of almost the handheld style of the camera a little bit. Hmm. And also a little bit of, it, it, it felt to me like it was getting at sort of the nerves underneath 
the, the skin. Um, yeah. Neil is such a, a steely character on the outside, but you just, you know, he's, he's vulnerable and he's emotionally vulnerable, you know, certainly, which is what our melody was trying to get at. And he's also like, he had nerves and like anybody who's launching, he's getting shot into his face and like a tin can. So, um, the string, the string effects, um, seemed to get at that. So that was like, again, just a few months of playing around with software, uh, to figure that out, but then figuring out ways to do it practically. So that, you know, once we figured out with software, then we got a rotor cabinet, we put the rotor cabinet in the room and started like typing stuff through it. So that was fun. And then the last phase of it, um, which again happened during pre-production, it was part of the, like building the toolkit, um, was just like making some new, some new sounds. So, um, like I got a bunch of, a, bu- a bunch of metal, like scrap metal and stuff and, and started making stuff with it. So like I, uh, I made, uh, I was shaking sheet metal to make mm. these thunder sort of thunder rumbles, which I, I mixed in very quietly into some of the cues to add this kind of cosmic wonder to some of the cues. Um, um, which was almost like, it almost reminded me of the, uh, some, uh, uh, a way the theremin was was being used in the sense that the theremin is like kind of an old school sci-fi thing, but we were, we were trying to use it in a different way. And yeah. the, the sheet metal thunder reminded me of the same thing. It's like, well, how can we take like an old radio play technique, but yeah. but like mix it in with a with a really nice lush orchestra and some other electronics and just sort of like have it add a, a little bit of a new dimension. Um, and and then made some recorded some ambiences. I recorded. Um, there's this like sound I made that I call, uh, I call, uh, it, it was kind of the elements. I was trying to capture a sound of elements. So I, I recorded some fire and some water and some, some like air inside pipes, just ambience inside pipes. And then I, I composited them and pitched them and turned them into basically the sort of ambient pad that I use in a lot of the cues to sort of bend. I mapped it on a keyboard, which is, you know, a very common thing to do so I could play it in as an instrument and, and, and kind of like bend it in in and around the melodies. So it was just like another sound that kind of got at what I felt like I was seeing and feeling texturally in the movie. And, um, and all of that. Yeah. It was basically it's, it's why we wanted to carve out those months early on was to build, build kind of like a toolkit of these sounds. So that when we got picture later, we could just score the scenes and we, we wouldn't, there were still a lot of discoveries later, but we would have a lot of the instruments and sounds figured out at that point. So we could just sort of, um, you know, have our, our toolbox. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, well, I just have a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, any, any future projects you got coming up? Uh, we, so far we've only seen scores, uh, to Chazelle films from you. Do, do you, uh, have any other projects in the works? Um, I don't, um, I, uh, I haven't, yeah, like you say, worked with anybody else yet. I'm open to it, but I haven't found the right project or, or person to work with. And I'm, um, you know, it's definitely a nerve wracking thing because I've only worked with one director and we have such a, um, unique relationship. Um, and I, I, in some ways, like I'm scared to find a, a different relationship because it, it's like, well, I just know it won't work the mm. same way. And that's, you know, there will be different processes and, and that's very scary. I, I also think it would be good for me. I think it would help me. Um, it would just be a, a good thing to do. But I, I just haven't, 
you know, I'm, I'm slowly, I guess, quietly looking or open sure. to it. But, um, yeah, that's cool. Well, we're excited to see what happens next. My, my last question is, uh, just what's, what's inspiring you creatively right now, whether it's music, movies, art, whatever, what's, what's inspiring you right now? Hmm. I've been, um, the past, uh, few, well, the past year, uh, this had to take a little bit of a break when we were working on the movie, but, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's come back in the past couple months is trying to spend more time outdoors. Okay. Um, which is something that I never made much room for in my life. Um, and yeah, I find that it kind of replenishes me and, and inspires me and gives me some space to think. Um, so awesome. that's been kind of a nice thing that I've been doing. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Well, Justin, thanks so much for talking with us today. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck throughout the rest of uh, award season here. Thank you. Great talking with you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Howitt's interview with the composer for First Man, Justin Hurwitz. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate any feedback that you can leave for us there. And if you're feeling very generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.